Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I know I've been gone quite a while, but I hope you've been enjoying the replays and the interviews I've done on other people's shows over the years. It feels so good to be back. But today's show is going to be a little different from normal, so if you're new here, be aware of that. We've been on hiatus for the last few months with either replays or from previous guests or with me releasing shows where I was the guest. I hope you've enjoyed them. I'm going to tell you some private details. I do give you little details about my life on this show, but usually I have a guest to focus on. It's a lot different from normal, so if this is your first time here, be aware that the show isn't just me talking all the time. It's usually me and someone else discussing something. Also, I'm going to be a little graphic in this episode. If you have little ones in the car with you, you should either have them put on headphones or else wait to listen until they're gone. I'm getting into some scary details, so please be sure that you don't let the kids listen. And if you have tender ears yourself, you shouldn't listen either. So here we go. It's been a year now, a year since Les and I left our home in San Diego and moved across the country to South Carolina. Our friends couldn't believe it when we told them that we were moving. Most people that have a paid-for house in San Diego stay. Not only because the weather is so nice, but the people are too. Plus, I had a great business there that was growing because all of my friends in the senior industry were sending me referrals. We left San Diego for a couple of reasons, but the main one was to be closer to our families. Les's family are all on the East Coast, and being all the way across the country meant that we rarely saw them. In the 10 years we were married before the show, we saw his family only three times two weddings and a funeral. But since we've been here, we've seen family, including mine, at least a dozen times. And that was the main reason why we came here, because family is so important. In case you're wondering, neither of us have kids. We didn't move to be closer to children or grandchildren like so many of our friends have done. Les and I have heard stories where people gave up their lives in San Diego to be near their children. And then a couple of years later, the kids get transferred or take a new job. Then what? I mean, you just moved across the country. And now what? Your kids aren't even there anymore. But that's not what we were doing. I mean, it did, however, give us pause. We know it's more difficult to make friends when you're older. So we wanted to be sure that we moved into a senior community that had activities so we could more easily make friends. We were both impressed with Dell Webb communities. So I had my heart set on moving into one if we ever left San Diego. Once we made that decision to move to the East Coast, we started looking. One thing that you should know is that if Dell Webb is still building in an area, they have a program that allows you to come and check them out for a few days for very low cost. You'll stay in one of the houses. You'll be given a golf cart if you play golf. You'll get to play around a golf. Now, Les and I don't play golf, so we don't do that. But you're usually also treated to at least one dinner and maybe even a show. So we decided to schedule our reconnaissance trip with four communities in mind. The first stop was in South Carolina. We were impressed so much that we canceled the remainder of our trips and just stayed there. We rented a hotel for the rest of the time. In hindsight, that was a pretty dumb move. And although I'm 
I'm glad we're here. We're really happy. I wish we would have stuck to the plan. It would have made things, I think, a lot better in the long run. So we had done this whole series on the search and the move for this show last year. If you'd like to learn more about what we did, you can listen to the series of episodes called 55 Plus Community Search. There are four in the series, and they were released starting February 4th, 2019, and ended on February 25th, 2019. The first one that was released on February 4th talked about what we needed to do to compare and what you might want to do to compare. And by the way, if you have things that we didn't talk about on the show of what you think we should have compared or what you're using, go ahead and leave a comment on that episode. And at some point, I'm probably going to update the spreadsheet. The second, released on February 11th, 2019, talked about the community tour. And then we released on February 18th, Uh, an episode called We Are Home, which discusses why we chose the community where we live now and, you know, all all the different reasons. On February 25th, 2019, we released the final episode called Mixed Feelings. So if you're considering making a move, I encourage you to listen to all four in the series. I know I've gotten a lot of people that reached out to me about this series. So now it's been a year. We're all settled in. And I wanted to tell you what's going on since then. So first of all, as I discussed in the episodes I was sort of afraid of, this move did actually affect my business. I have, as I'm recording this, just got done with my business season and I didn't hit my goals. So if you're one of my loyal listeners, you already know that I work with Medicare insurance and normally I have my act together because I'll record these shows these Rock Your Retirement podcasts way in advance. This is the first year that I've missed episodes. But this year, I wasn't able to do that. Normally, I'll record them way in advance and I'll release them during my busy season, but I just couldn't get it together in 2019. Some of you are wondering why, and I'll talk a little bit about that later in this episode. But basically, there's just too much going on in my life. And I was traumatized from something that happened in October. Now, I'm going to try to get through this episode (laughs) without crying, but every time I talk about it, I just find my voice breaking. So I apologize (laughs) in advance if it affects your your listening, but I I really have something that I want to say, and I'm just going to try to get through it. If you're in our Facebook group, you probably already know a little bit about it, or you've suspected that something happened. I'm going to go ahead and give you the full details now. Les and I were at a red light, and right in front of us, we saw a man get killed. He was on a motorcycle going straight, and a woman in a car turned in front of him. That's how a lot of motorcyclists get killed. After we saw this, I did something really dumb. I jumped out of the car, right out of my sandals, and I ran across the street barefooted. There was a small crowd of about four people wondering what to do. The motorcyclist, I'm just going to call him Michael. I I don't know what his name is, but it'll just make it easier for me to tell you this story. Michael was lying face down on the ground. There was blood everywhere. Thick blood. It looked like paint, but you knew it wasn't paint. It was hot outside and there was glass everywhere. 
Now, I knew that we couldn't move him. So I told that lady that we were not moving him because he could drown in his own blood. He was gasping and there was blood still coming out of his, I don't know where it was coming out of, but he, you could tell that there was blood in his lungs. I know that's not the only reason not to move him, but honestly, at the time, it was the only thing I could think of. The other woman was in hysterics. I wanted her to stop talking, but really, I couldn't focus on her. So I squatted down and I started talking to Michael. I kept telling him to hold on, that that help was coming, and just hold on. About two minutes later, another car stopped and a man jumped out of his truck or car. I really don't remember. This man was an off-duty EMT. I'm going to call him John. John leaned down to examine Michael without turning him and told us, the small crowd of four or five or six or however many it was, that Michael was already dead. But he was breathing. He was breathing. I said that because every minute or so he would sputter and blood would come out. John assured me that this sputtering was normal, but it wasn't because he was breathing. I wondered if Michael had even heard me or if he was comforted at all before he died. Hopefully he passed before I got there because it looked like it would have been very, very painful. We know that he saw what was happening from the skid marks. I wonder if he knew that he was about to die. Someone asked where the person was that hit Michael. I looked around. Not only did we want to make sure that she didn't leave, but I started thinking about myself and her situation. There were plenty of times that I had been distracted while driving. I've looked at my radio to change the channel. I've been hypnotized by the road. And yes, I've reached for my phone when I didn't have a Bluetooth. So my heart went out to this woman. How was she going to live with herself? How would I be able to live with myself if I had been the one to hit Michael? So I went over to her. I'm going to call her Joan. Although I asked what her name was, I honestly don't remember it. Now, that's currently not unusual for me, although it's something I'd like to change. I'm going to be working on that. But anyway... I'm just going to call her Joan. I asked her how she was feeling and let her know that I was there if she wanted to talk. Joan was in a state of shock, but I stayed with her just so she'd know that I was there. She told me she didn't see him. She didn't know he was there. And she lived in my community too. I wondered again how she would reconcile with herself what had happened. She had turned in front of Michael, and there was no way he could stop in time due to his speed. Whether or not it was her fault, she had to have felt like it was, and it is something she would never forget. What would happen to her? Would she fall into a depression? Would she give up driving forever? Would she lose her friends? So much of this was going through my mind. I I felt so bad for her. The police and emergency vehicles started showing up a couple of minutes later. They walked over to Joan, and I excused myself. I ran back across the street where the car was. I wanted to get my sandals, and Les noticed how cut up my feet were. They were bleeding. 
he decided to move the car so that we would stop blocking traffic. Although we were in an area where there wasn't much traffic, there was still a lot of, there was probably four or five cars behind him. So we moved the car across the street and parked in a zone where no cars were going and where no cars would actually be allowed to go because the police, they would partition off that area for the investigation. I sat in the car. I tried to wash my feet off and get the glass out of them, but mm, I wasn't having very good luck because all of a sudden I was all out of water. Les got one of the EMTs to check my feet while I sat there feeling stupid. I mean, why was he checking me out when Michael was over there? Anyway, he cleaned my feet up. We had to wait so that Les could be interviewed by the police. He saw the whole thing. I didn't actually see it because I was in the passenger seat and I was looking at my phone when it all happened. I'm glad I didn't see it, but I did hear it. And that was enough. While I was waiting, I started looking around. I noticed another gentleman sitting in his truck. Let's call him Jamil. Jamil looked like he was about to cry. This was a big man. And it's not, I don't know, it's not typical for me to see a man about to cry. I'm in that age group where, you know, men didn't cry. He looked like he was one of the workers from our community. I went over to him and I asked him if he was okay. And he said he wasn't. So I asked him if he wanted to talk about it. Jamil said that his brother died this exact same way 10 years ago. And Jamil had a perfect view of the accident because he was first in the line of cars. Michael's body had pretty much flown right over Jamil's truck. I sat with him a while and noticed that the police were interviewing everybody else, making Jamil wait. Now, you have to understand, I live in the South now, and things are different here. And Jamil really wanted to get home, and I didn't blame him. So I made my way over to the police and asked if they could please, please interview Jamil next. And they said that they would. About five minutes later, they were interviewing him. I know he didn't sleep that night. I didn't either. This accident made a big impact on me, as you can imagine. It happened months ago, and I still can't get through the story. It made me realize that no one knows how much time they have left. No one. Michael was 40 years old. He left a whole family. I know that his family are still missing him. I don't know whether he had any life insurance, and I told myself that I was going to find his widow and give her some money, but I never did. As I was preparing for today's episode, I did a Google search, and I found a reporter who did a story on the accident. I reached out to him, and maybe it's not too late to find the family. There was a GoFundMe account set up for them, but honestly, I'm cynical, and I just don't trust that that money gets to the family always in these type of situations. So I don't like to donate to those accounts unless I know the person who set it up. I'll see if the reporter responds. Anyway, after we got home, I started thinking about my life. If you're a regular listener of the show, you already know that I started this show to help me (laughs) retire someday. I mean, Les and I are already financially independent, but I just can't seem to pull that trigger. 
Les says it's because I wouldn't know what to do with myself, but that's not really true. I do know what I would do. I would start back up with my art. I would probably spend more time on this show, but I'm a painter and I haven't really painted in over 12 years. One of the reasons why we chose this community is that they have an art room here, but I've only used it three times in the last year that I've lived here. It's in my calendar every week, but I always find a way to be working on a work project so I don't go down there. And that happened just this week. One thing that has happened since October is that I've jealously guarded my calendar from meetings, though. And I've made a ton of referrals to another agent when I could have squeezed these people in. It's actually almost 20 people, but I'm guarding my time now. Yesterday, an acquaintance of mine wanted me to come to her house this afternoon to assist her. I can't do that today because I'm fully booked. I'll be starting my day in about 20 minutes. But I could have worked out arrangements to go during some personal projects that I wanted to do. Instead, I sent her a link to my calendar app. So I'm learning. And I thought about selling my business. Or just not taking on new clients like I did with my financial planning practice. But honestly, I do enjoy it. As long as I keep to my calendar. As long as I don't overwhelm myself. So that's what I'm going to be doing this year. I'm going to be keeping promises to myself as far as my time goes. But I also want to keep promises to my existing Medicare insurance clients. I, I want to be able to do both. And if I'm working 40 hours a week, I'm not keeping promises to myself. And as far as my health, I struggle with my weight. I've been struggling with it since I've been in my 30s, but a few years ago, my doctor told me that it was actually affecting my health. Now, I'm not obese, but I am 15 pounds overweight. And on a five foot two frame, it's more than it sounds. Gone are the days of me wearing a size four. So this year, Les and I made a deal. We're not going to watch any TV on any given day until after we've worked out. Since we've been working out at night, that means we're not watching TV while we eat dinner, which is one of our favorite things to do. So, so far, so good. Keeping that commitment to myself makes me want to actually eat healthier too. And that's what I'm doing now. I've been on a keto diet in the past, which didn't work out for me. For two years, I ate a high fat, low carb diet, and I only lost two pounds. I felt fine. It seemed to give me more energy, but... The doctor told me that my cholesterol had gone up, wait for it, to 439. I had to give up that diet. I had to go on Crestor. That was not acceptable. Now, for all you people on keto, I know that that doesn't happen to everybody. There are plenty of people on keto that they actually have their cholesterol go down. But for me, that didn't happen. So for now probably forever, I'm back to eating carbs. At first, I gave myself permission to eat sugar too. Now, that's not really fair to Les because he's staying away from sugar due to his own health issues and having me sit there and eat sugar just wasn't really very nice. Of course, eating sugar doesn't help my own weight issues and so that didn't last very long. I'm pretty much staying away from it again, except for my chocolate rice cakes, which I've recently discovered. They're not too bad as far as sugar goes, but they're not made with stevia, which is my normal sweetener these days. 
But now we're both putting more veggies into our diet. Just today, I had grilled eggplant for lunch. When we were in New York for the holidays, I was able to buy grilled veggies at the local grocery store. Not so much here. But I am buying organic veggies at the Whole Foods store, which is about 30 minutes from here. And then I'll grill them myself on my George Foreman, store them in the refrigerator. By the way, George Foreman isn't ideal for grilling veggies, but I'm making it work. My main thing is I need grab-and-go meals, so I'm making them in advance. Now, Les and I are doing great. You probably know about his health. If you've never listened to this show before, Les has stage 4 cancer, but you wouldn't know about it unless we told you. I mean, he's really doing great. He he looks good. He's able to get around. He's not having a lot of pain yet. And, you know, we like this place. We have our issues with this place, but it's pretty good. We've spent a week at my dad's house at the Villages over the Christmas, and we were very impressed with all of the activities they have. They have a newspaper where they show all of their activities, and Les and I were actually starting to feel kind of bad about our decision to move to the Dell Webb instead. I mean, after all, we don't have free music every day. Our builder is building new houses and not building amenities. The rooms here are crowded, so you can't have a party for your neighborhood on the day you want it. I mean, of course, there's a myriad of issues here. But guess what? They have those issues in the villages, too. Yesterday, I found a YouTube video of a couple who loves living in the villages, but they listed off the exact same complaints that we have about Del Webb. Ha! So basically, there's issues everywhere. So... What can I do to make my community better? I thought about it, and I decided that I was going to create a website where our residents could find out what's going on here every day. Because it's all listed in our magazine, but honestly, it's really hard to find. I mean, you can go in and you can see what clubs are doing what on what days, but there's nothing really listed where you can look in one place and just see what's going on each day. Like, for example, what's going on on Monday? I don't know. And I've been complaining that everything here costs money. But do you know what? It doesn't. Once I got this website together and listed everything in it, which, by the way, took me several days, we have just as much going on where I live than the villages. It just wasn't really that easy to find. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get banned for creating this website. There's actually a lot of rules here, which are posted and unposted. But for now, I'm busy entering all the club activities into this community calendar because the owner of the Facebook group that has 5,000 people, they haven't given me an answer whether or not they'll let me post a request for help. So it's grueling, but once I get everything in there, I mean, like all the recurring events, it'll take a lot less work. And I'm pretty much done with that right now. So I'm thinking about spending another 90 bucks to give people access to add their own events. I don't know, though. I mean, I've already spent a little bit of money. It's not a lot, but I'm cheap sometimes. (laughs) The point of all this is that we all make our lives what we want to make of them. Tragedies occur that make us realize that life is short. None of us knows if today or tomorrow is our last day. So I've decided to stop complaining about things that I can't do anything about, like politics, the issues with my neighborhood, 
or whatever and try to figure out what I can do better, what I can do to make life better. You can do this too. I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life that made you realize you wanted to change or not, but from talking with hundreds of people and communicating with some of you via my podcast, I do know this. Many of us want to make a life change, but we are either too scared to do it or we just don't know how to stop. And we like to complain about things. It's kind of a first world pastime. We like to complain, but we don't like to we don't like to do anything about the problems we face. For example, that little community calendar I created. For the last 9 months or so, I've been complaining to less or anyone else who would listen, that there isn't anything free to do where I live, that everything costs money. Even if it's just $3 to go to the line dancing, hey, it all adds up. But guess what? I was wrong. But I didn't realize that until I created the calendar. There are plenty of things to do here that are free. I just didn't know about them. And now that I made the calendar website, I'm hoping that more people will be able to count their blessings every day because they can just go to it and see how much there is to do every every day here. That includes free things as well as paid things. So how does all this affect you? Many of my listeners don't know what they're going to be doing after they retire. That's why they listen to this show. Others listen because they're already retired and there's like maybe one show or two shows that pique their interest. I call this show the Encyclopedia of Retirement Lifestyle because we pretty much talk about everything here, even things you're currently interested or maybe that you're not currently interested in, but maybe you'll be interested in it later. So when it's time to, for example, find out about what to do when your parents need assisted living, you can look up those shows that discuss that topic and you can learn more. It's kind of my community service and I'm glad you're getting something out of it. And I do know that at least some of you are getting something out of this show because as of the time I'm recording this, we've had 198,763 downloads. Pretty specific, huh? I, I know that because I just looked it up. I'm patting my tiny team on the back now because when this show started in 2016, no one in our age group even knew what a podcast was. I mean, I had to physically grab people's phones and show them how to subscribe and listen. So this podcast has mostly grown through word of mouth. If you've told someone about the show, I thank you. They'll thank you. And if you've reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, I thank you even more because the majority of my listeners are on Apple Podcasts but we Android users are catching up. Hey, I'm an Android user too, and I listen to podcasts using iHeartRadio or Podcast Addict. Anyway, back to what you can do now that you've heard my traumatic story and how it can help you figure out what you want to do in retirement. Whether you are still working, thinking of it, retired or whatever, you can give some thought and figure out how to make life better, not just for yourself, but for others too. For me, right now, it's my community calendar website, and of course, this show. I feel a sense of purpose by creating it for you, even with all its warts. 
I know that there are other shows that you likely listen to that are professionally produced, but honestly, I don't want to spend that kind of money producing my show, so I don't. But if you'd like to volunteer to help make this show better, reach out to me on the Facebook group or through the website and we'll talk. But likely your purpose isn't going to be about making this show better. So what will it be for you? Spend some time thinking about how you can make your community better. Even if it's just something small like volunteering once a month at the library or picking up somebody else's dog poop for them when you see it on the sidewalk or maybe running for city council. Starting a group of adult coloring once a week. I don't know what your idea is going to be. You'll have to come up with it. But let me know what your idea is by going to rockyourretirement.com and leaving a comment. This is episode 209. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. Probably traumatic experience. If you're on the mailing list, you'll get an email letting you know the episode title with a link to make it better. So leave a comment. I'd like to know how you are going to make life better, not only for you, but for someone else. That's it. That's all I have to say for now. Next week, we're going to resume our normal programming. So bye for now. See you next time on the Rock Your Retirement Show. Bye.
Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show. And when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, 
we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.